You're listening to theoutdoorstation.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to another podcast from the Outdoors Station. Well, spring has finally sprung. The official date has passed and so far, so good. The weather is looking bright and cheerful and it's encouraging us and many other people to get out and about and enjoy what we can. Of course, everybody's talking about the weather being much better this year for the summer. Uh, We can all keep our fingers crossed because we have been severely disappointed the last two years with very, very wet summers. So here's hoping the weather will be good and stay good for some time. Now, uh, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, and ourselves included, are also practicing for the TGO Challenge, uh, getting our equipment together finally. There's about another six, seven weeks to go, um, and we're practicing with the gear and also settling our muscles into carrying a little bit more weight for a good couple of hundred miles, and we're looking forward to that. It does mean, of course, that uh, Rose and I won't be around uh, from the second week of May for a couple of weeks, um, although there will be somebody here. We won't be here personally. So if there's anybody needing anything in that period of time, make sure you contact us uh, very soon. Uh, But yes, the TGO Challenge is looming and um, we're having a good shakedown of gear and, like most people, agonising over the last 10 and 20 grams and what we can remove and, and leave out. Now, um, what have we got on today's show? Well, we, just like the last one, in fact, we um, uh, have tried to get a bit of variety, uh, something close to home and something uh, away from home. And, and we talk to somebody from the Czech Republic uh, Tourism Board uh, regarding Prague. Now, Prague, most people know, is a great destination for a weekend or a long weekend, and you can get cheap flights and connections over there. But what actually is available outside of Prague and how easy is it to get about? Um, so we have a chat with uh, Katrina uh, from uh, the tourism board there, and she tells us more. Now, Andy, to whom size is everything, talks to another man about photography and about printing large posters and large prints uh, and maintaining high quality, which hopefully will be of interest to many people. Uh, But first, let us sit back, grab a paddle, and go down the water highways of England on a nice camping trip. Yes, it is rather a slow and enjoyable way of doing things, but have you ever thought about canoe camping? I spoke to Fran Faulkner up at uh, the caravan show, the caravan and camping show uh, recently, and asked her how the canoe camping club all came about. We're one of the special interest sections of the Camping and Caravanning Club. We've been going for 76 years now, and I'm not old enough to remember how that all started back in the dim and distant past. But it's a section that is full of people who are enthusiastic about camping, all forms of camping, so including lightweight camping, where you'd put your tent in your canoe or kayak and paddle downstream and camp. Not necessarily wild camping, but camp minimal facilities at the side of the river. But also for those who want to base camp in maybe a larger tent or a trailer tent, caravan motorhome, and then join those trips out on the river. It's, it's interesting. I mean, going around this show, it, it, there's obviously, it's catering for people that take everything with them. And it's encouraging to see that you've got a stand here and you're actually getting membership and, and a lot of interest from families, I see, just talking to you here, um, that, that like the romantic idea as well as the practical idea of keeping everything simple. Yes, indeed. It's a bit like three men in a boat. Good old Jerome K. Jerome, the boys and the dog and a boat. It's a great activity. It's a great activity for all ages. We have paddlers that go canoe camping up to the age of about 85 
still active paddlers, and then we have the families with almost babes in arms coming out in canoes for the first time. And we try and encourage people across the age range, across the gender breakdown, to get out on the water and enjoy themselves. And as part of that, obviously, the camping is really important too. Mm. Uh, so, so tell me what sort of um, what sort of things happen when somebody, when, when somebody joins you and, and they get involved. Uh, how does it? How do they connect with other people, like-minded people, and and also, I suppose, um, people might be worried that they're not going to fit in or they're not going to fit in with the same sort of age range. How do they? Reassure, how do you reassure them? Basically, we have a website um, www.canoecampingclub.com .co.uk, which lists all of the events that we've got, and you can see from that that they're right around the country. We have six regional groups that organise paddles, which may be as short as one day, so just meet in the morning, arrange transport from one end of the river to the other, and then just paddle for the day with your lunch, with your some basic shelter in case the weather turns inclement, and then arrange transport at the end. We have weekend meets, and we have full week-long things where we perhaps camp on the banks of the River Wye, go off and do things on the wire or canoe camp the length the 82 miles of the wire is it just just this midlands area or are they dotted around the country right around the country so we have a thames and southeast group a west country group a midlands group a northern group and a northwest group and then a hearts and east anglia group all arranging things in their area of the country but then they're not mutually exclusive so if you live in the thames region there's nothing to stop you going and paddling with the northern group so you see different parts of the country as well. And how often do, do the groups um, get out and, and do something? If you look at our runs list, there's something on virtually every weekend of the year somewhere in the country, sometimes two or three events in different places. So uh, what sort of people are you finding joining you now that, that are showing interest? Is it established um, paddlers that have, have got skills, or is it uh, people beginning and just wanting sort of that reassurance of, of group activity? It's both, really. We've got a lot of families joining us now, a lot of people who are just new to canoeing, want to know more about it. Um, we run this meet at Whitson where all the people who, who are current members who own more than one boat are encouraged to bring more. So I, I'm a, a mother with two kids. My family of four tends to take nine or ten boats because we have them to that meet, so we can lend them to people who've never done it before. So they can have a go without making the financial outlay of actually purchasing a boat. See if it's what they enjoy, see if it's the activity for them before they commit. Mm. I should imagine that at this day and age, certainly with the way um, activities for youngsters are, are being curtailed on a regular basis for numerous reasons, uh, that this must be a real thrill for, for young families. Certainly is. In fact, it was the Canoe Camping Club really that got me started. I'm now a level two canoe coach, and all of that really came about because I had such a good. Um, experience with the Canoe Camping Club. I was taught loads of skills. I was put through my BCU two-star award by people who gave of their time freely. We're all volunteers within this club. And I became a coach because I wanted to put some of that back. And the, the, the places that you camp at, I mean, I know uh, water access and river access is itself a fairly thorny subject, um, but do you sort of choose or approach farmers for, for private land or is it sort of established areas of, of access that, that you use? It's really both. We camp at um, commercial campsites, but also because we are part of the Camping and Caravanning Club, they can arrange exempted camping. So we can approach a farmer and say, would you consider us having an exempted campsite? And then through the aegis of the Camping and Caravanning Club, that can be set up for us. So we can camp at a site that's not a, a registered campsite, but we can have it set up as a temporary campsite. 
for our canoeing meets. Well, that's brilliant. I mean, it's, it's such an, a warm, welcoming sort of feel that, that, that the club has obviously got, and certainly from the pictures dotted around here, it looks like a lot of, um, as well as the actual adventure of going camping with a the canoe, there's also a lot of activities, and I can see the sort of safety training and all sorts of things going on as well. Yes, indeed, and we, we try and make sure that we have meets that will accommodate all kinds of paddlers. So we have some meets where it's paddling on canals, flat water, very safe water, and then for the more adventurous people or people with more experience, we have stuff on moving water. So things like we've had people go off and do the Liffey descent, and you can see pictures there of uh, some people having an, an interesting time on the Liffey in white water. We've run um, white water training weekends at Cardington Artificial White Water Course near Bedford. Um, we've had some people go off and do sections of the Ardèche and the Hero, and I can't remember the other rivers, but certainly we've, we've had people go off abroad and do white water there as well. We do the Y. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely fantastic. Um, what about uh, sort of the cost of membership? Is it an expensive club to join? No, it's incredibly cheap. The Camping and Caravanning Club membership is £35, and on top of that to join our section, it's an extra £6 a year. So you're talking about an outlay for a family of £41 a year. And if somebody was sort of listening to this and, sh and showed interest in, in perhaps coming along, do they have to pay anything to come along the first couple of times to see what it's all about? They would need to be members of the Camping and Caravanning Club. They don't need to join our section to come along to a couple of meets to see what we're about, certainly. Do you find that uh, you're getting members or the various members with, with shared interest in other areas like bushcraft and that, that type of thing? We certainly do. And um, at our uh, Whitson Week meet, we have a night in the marquee called Gadget Night when people bring along their gadgets so we've had... It's my kind of night. Oh ah, yeah, <laughs> we've, we, had, we had the hammock strung across from the central pole to the side with the, the, I can't remember the name of the hammock but with an inbuilt tarp and you just roll it up together and it makes something called a snake. We've had people show off their wood gas stoves fantastic, I bought one last year um, pocket tents that don't need any poles so you can just pitch this tent and use your paddles as poles tarps, different ways of pitching tarps so we had a tarp session all sorts so i, I presume uh, i presume all the the information they need can be found on the website it can indeed and again that website is www.canoecampingclub.co.uk now, uh, Andy, as many people know, is a uh, photography enthusiast, uh, and one stand that particularly caught his eye at the Focus Show up in Birmingham not so long back uh, was one that was launching a new print uh, service, a very high-quality print service. Uh, for years, Mike Pierre Davis of MPD Digital Laboratories has been trusted with printing uh, some of the images of uh, the UK's leading photographers and photographic services. Uh, and Mike is soon to launch uh, Print Pro Studio, which will offer a similar quality of print to keen amateur photographers. Uh, when, so when you want that uh, permanent image of a favourite shot or spot, of course, location, uh, using a professional service, uh, you want to make sure they will produce simply stunning prints. Andy was uh, blown away when he first saw the stand. I was with him and I left him to have a chat with Mike. Now, many of us are capturing some, some quite stunning landscapes when we're out and about in the hills and the mountains, but um, the printing of them is always difficult. And uh, I've come across a stand here which is interesting, which is a pro studio, pro print studio, who uh, produce uh, printing services professionals, but who are now moving to try and open up their service to you know, the dedicated keen amateur. So uh, it's a new move for you? Yeah, it's a totally new move. It's one we've been thinking about for a while. Uh, you know, with the economic 
climate and what's happening with the advertising industry, we thought now's the right time to move into that as well. I mean, the aim of uh, ProPrint is to offer a higher quality print service uh, to the sort of keen enthusiast, the portrait, wedding photographer, degree students, that they can run out, you know, end of year exhibition prints or run out a portfolio before, you know, at the end of the year. So when they go out into the wild world of photography, they've got stunning images already from their own, but they've also got stunning prints to go with it. Looking at some of the prints you've got on stand here, I mean, these really are in a different league to the kind of things you get through one of the standard high street yeah. uh, So it's, it, it certainly must be worthwhile taking those really good prints and treating them this way. But, but, but it looks technically very difficult. I mean, is this, is this a service that you've really got to understand or are you aiming to make it a lot easier for us? No, it's a lot easier. I mean, there's systems out there like the Rose, for example, that we've obviously I've done a bit of research with the yeah, sort of competition that's out there. And there's a system called Rose, for example, when you log on, there's like it opens up with five separate windows. Our system, you just don't, there's nothing to download. Just log on to the website. You, you've got options to drop in set sizes like your 10x8s, your 12x10s and so on. You've also got options to size the print how you want, where a lot of labs don't offer that. So you can have a, a square print. So that avoids all those horrible cropping yeah. disasters you can get. Yeah, so you can have a square print. You can have, a, you know, for the landscape photographers, it's fantastic. You can go up to eight inches long. The paper width is 20 inches. So as long as you stay within the 20 inch width, you can go as long as you want. You can uh, add borders. You can have a quarter-inch border or a one-inch border or a five-inch border. You can create, you know, you can make the images look, have more impact by giving it big borders or if you just want your standard And you can see this on the screen as you... you see it. Yeah, you, when, when you upload the image and you add the borders on, you get a preview of how it's going to look. So you can have a quarter-inch border at the top and a two-inch border at the bottom and a one at the side. It's totally up to you, but it shows you before you go to print. Now... Um, paper's quite important, isn't it? The yeah. quality of the paper you're printing on really does make a big difference. And you, you seem to have a, a, a range of high-quality stuff here, and that, that's presumably available too through the website. Yeah, I mean, basically, we use a Lambda that 50. It's the, uh, one of the only 400 DPI printers on the market. It's made by Durr. So I mean, a lot of photographers out there may have come across the word Lambda before, but they're the leading marketeers in digital what we call c-type photography photographs and that's what we you know that's what we use for our high-end clients like M&S and Burberry and so on. No, c-type's not quite the same as an inkjet printer is it? So basically when you upload your file um, it gets laser written onto Kodak photographic paper you've got the choice of matte and gloss we're debating whether we're going to offer the uh, metallic paper but we, you know, we have we have the ability to do that it's whether we do it is another question so at the moment we're going to offer matte and gloss. So basically after it go gets uploaded, it gets laser written onto uh, Kodak paper, uh, digital paper, and it goes through the RA file process and that gives it the uh, archival quality for 125 years by Kodak. Uh, and then basically it is the best printer in terms of, you know, if you want to run an exhibition, we look after all the printing, for example, for Getty Images. I'm sure a lot of your listeners would have heard of. We run all their portfolios for their photographers, we do all their prints for their portfolio books, we do all their exhibitions, but they generally don't have anything bigger than a 20 by 30 so we run all their exhibition prints we're doing one at the moment, it'll be travelling around Europe so it's about, you know, Gettys use it, a lot of photographers use it just to run their portfolios and because it is an amazing and stunning print I mean, the machine we use is the winner of the five DEMA awards every year, which is a digital imaging machinery award 
And, and this, this is the same machinery that I'm going to get my little humble prints off yeah. if I were. Basically, I mean, the way it's going to work out at the moment with the online is we've got the machine sitting there and we use it obviously during the day for our you know, clients we work for doing editorials like Vogue and whatever and also advertising jobs for Levi's and so on like we've just completed. But what, how we're going to run it an hour in the morning and a couple of hours in the evening, we're just going to use it for doing the online printing and see how that takes off. And if it takes off, we'll get another one in and it'll be dedicated just for the online service and we'll carry on with the one we've got using for our current clients. So it's the same technicians, the same machine and the same service that you get for all the high-end advertising campaigns with the same effort put into the online printing. Oh, great. Well, um, Mike, thanks for that. I mean... <laughs> Certainly looking at the prints we've got here, the quality of them are stunning. So if you do have a really good photograph that you've got out on the hills or anywhere else, then um, this would certainly be a place to, to, to look at. It's www.proprintstudio.com, yeah, based correct. in London. Based in London. We're down by um, uh, Shoreditch, which is about 15 minutes from Liverpool Street. I've been there for eight years working as MPD Digital. I mean, when you log on to their website, there'll be a link to MPD Digital, which is my other company, and that will give you a link to the high-end work that we're doing and give you an idea of what that company does. And hopefully you can see the benefits of using us above any other online company that's out there. Well, I'm certainly going to give it a go, I think. Um, and if you've got that special photograph or some that you really want to, to do justice for and to keep for a long time, as you said, then... Uh, ProPrint Studio is certainly worth having a look at. We've also got a show offer at the show, whether it's a bit late or not, I'm not sure. But basically, when we launch, which will be end of March, beginning of April, uh, it'll be 50% off for all prints. So, for example, a, a 20 by 30 print, which is normally online at 24.95, will be £12.47 for a period of one week. If you came into MPD Digital or other company, it'd be £60. So you can see the massive saving you're getting by ordering your prints online. Uh, but even at a standard price, I mean, if you're looking at a 30 by 20 inch yeah. size, um, that's a big size. Uh, the quality of these prints, 25 pounds for uh, a copy of one of those special photographs is probably good value for money. Yeah, it is, it's fantastic value. I mean, you, we've, we've done our research, there's not that many labs out there that are offering Lambda prints. I mean, a lot of the prints that we've done out there seem to be done on mini lab prints. Uh, Fuji Fonterras and D Labs and stuff like that, but you know, hopefully, what we're offering and what people will see if they have a chance to visit stand is that they are second to none. The quality speaks for itself. They can come up, have a look at them, feel them, stroke them, touch them, you know. And at that price, to test it out, just whack one print through and see the difference between what we offer and what everyone else is offering. Once again, the uh, website for ProPrint Studio is literally that www.proprintstudio.com. Now let's move to the Czech Republic. Uh, Prague as a weekend destination or a weekend break is well known and I'm sure we've all seen various promotional prices and flights and offers and so on uh, to allow us to get over there to enjoy uh, what is a very, very beautiful city. But what's outside of Prague and is it of interest to us uh, outdoors people, walkers, cyclists, hikers, uh, canoers, whatever? Uh, I spoke to Katrina Hobbs, who is uh, the tourism manager from the Czech Tourism at uh, the, one of the recent shows of the NEC there, uh, and uh, asked uh, how um, people could use it as a jumping-off point for, um, for those who want to see more and find out uh, more about the country and see exactly what the rest of it has to offer. 
Well, the Czech Republic is very interesting for the for the outdoor outdoor holidays. We call them also the um, adventure holidays as well, um, including the cycling, hiking, and um, um, just basically walking around. Um, Czech Republic is very popular for all the famous mountains around and uh, landscapes. Um, uh, whether it's south or north, it really, really depends. Uh, the Czech Republic is really easy to move around. It's a really compact country, and the, even the public transport is really, really like uh, rel reliable, um, easy to move around by bus, by train, um, or for independent travelers, we, what we're recommending is um, to hire a car and just drive. So let's let's talk practicality then. People will know uh, know Prague and obviously know how to get to Prague. But how much does it cost to to move out of the city uh, and explore some of these destinations? Um, well, it really depends. You know, the the tourists can take um, uh, can buy uh, train tickets, roughly. Let's say from from about 100 Czech Corona, from 100 till about 300 Czech Corona, depends how far they go. Uh, they can also take the day pass, uh, train day pass, so they can move move around very easily, stop on different places. Uh, all our train stations in Czech Republic have the international desks, so it's very easy for them when they get there to speak to the responsible staff in English version and English language and get the, the, the most... Um, um, the, 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 exactly, the correct information, the best prices, the best value for the for the tickets. And um, what roughly is that in, in pounds, that corona? Uh, well, today, let's say the rate is for, to the one pound, um, that's about 30, 31 Czech corona. That's okay. the one pound. Okay. Uh, and so w what is sort of the average price for, for small hostels or small hotels? Uh, and do, do families take people in? Do you have that type of thing in, in there? Yes, um, we are um, actually Czech Republic do have very nice places with little guest houses and, and bed and breakfasts as well um, in uh, in the local villages or even in mountains. The roughly price, I will, I will say it in the euros because the international currency would be easier to count it in euros. Uh, let's say the bed and breakfast starts from about 35 till about 65 euros. Really depends what area. Again, English, English it's a very widely speaking language, so people going to the countryside shouldn't worry about that they don't going to Understand. But some people really find it interesting as well if some of the people or the people where they're going don't speak the, the English language so the visitors can learn a little bit of the local, local language. Culture, that's good. Yeah, yeah that's always a good thing. Uh, what, about, uh, what about people who are wanting to go camping? Are there, do you have many campsites? Are you allowed to, what we say in this country, wild camp, which is camping in open land without permission? Uh, no, we don't do wild camping, but uh, Czech Republic is covered with all lovely, lovely uh, camping sites, campsites actually. Um, a very nice one, it's uh, just uh, close to Prague, which is Oaza, so people see the countryside, but it's also very easy to get to the main capital city. But also very popular for campsite is the South Moravia. We call the region, which is regions, region of red and white. There is the most famous wine producers down there, full of UNESCO sites, castles and chateaus, so I recommend for camping uh, probably South, South Moravia, or even South Bohemia, which is about two hours drive from Prague, um, around the uh, 
Shumaba Mountains. Okay, is it um, is it fairly easy to to rent a push bike and if people want to explore, you know, at a much slower pace at all? And is, is it safe to to cycle? I mean, uh, you know, driving generally is it are they courteous to cyclists? Yes, very easy. The the cycling routes are are. Um, you could, actually, the tourists can see the signs and 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 yeah. see where, where they go, where to go. So they're marked. Um, yeah, we very popular. It's the greenways, uh, cycling tours going from Prague to Vienna, so they can put two destinations together. Um, very easy. Also, is higher to higher bar uh, the bike. Uh, what I can recommend is just to log on the website of the general public transport website of Prague, which is. It's dpp.cz, and uh, there is a section um, about how, how to hire a bike, the prices as well. This bike, it's very um, easy to move around, even on a train, so if the people want to add the public transport oh, yeah, into it, make it faster, make it more interesting, it's, it's easy to, to use a bike on a train as well. So, so just, I know it's very hard perhaps, but just roughly if somebody wanted to, to visit for uh, a long weekend for four or five days uh, and perhaps wanted to uh, obviously uh, arrive at Prague and then sort of move around uh, and explore a bit more, um, what sort of daily budget would they, they need for something to, to cover their accommodation and, and travel and eating? What sort of money should they be, be thinking of saving? Yeah, if we're thinking of travel by train, hire a bike, uh, have a food in a local restaurant and uh, be accommodated in a bed and breakfast in some small place or little village. Uh, the daily daily um, budget uh, will be roughly from about 40 till 90 euros. Okay, that's, that's very respectable. So keep you keep you going, certainly. Well, thanks very much indeed. Uh, one final question: Is there any particular area that that you you're very fond of in the Czech Republic that you think is beautiful and 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 you know remote and so on? Very beautiful. It's the north of the country, uh, the Krkonoše Mountains. Uh, also very famous is the the top of the mountain called Ještěd. Um, with the very famous watchtower because when you go to the top it's also the hotel and the restaurant and when you walk to the top you can walk or you can take a cable car you actually see three different countries from the top of the mountain you see the Czech Republic, you see the Germany, you see the Poland as well so I will recommend the Krkonoše and the Ještěť mountain and of course, you can find out more about the Czech Republic at www.czechtourism.com. Well, my thanks to all my guests and to Andy as well uh, for contributing to this show. I hope you've enjoyed it. We have plenty more in the bag uh, coming out, and we hope to be releasing them if we can on a more weekly basis. Uh, like most people at the moment, we seem to be stacked out and also trying to fit life in around uh, busy, busy days uh, and also try and get some walks in and so on. Uh, seems to be a bit of an uphill struggle at the moment, but we're doing our best, and like most people, I'm sure we want to make the most of the current weather while it lasts. So uh, stay tuned. Please uh, do pass our details on to other outdoors people and tell them to uh, log into the outdoors station. Uh, and uh, there is a links page there to tell you how to subscribe to it using iTunes or any other um, podcast listening software you might have. Uh, what do they call them? Podcast aggregators, just to make it complicated. Um, and uh, we will uh, be bringing more stories and recordings to you very, very soon. Okay, everybody, take care.
care, have a good week, and uh, don't forget to get out and enjoy the weather while you still can. All the best now. Bye. Let the grasses grow and the breezes blow in a free and an easy way. Just give me a soap in a rare old stuff that's made near Galway Bay. Come growlers all from Donegal, Sligo and Leitrim too. We'll give them the slip and we'll take a trip on a bucket full of mountain dew. Skilly idle idle dum dum, silly idle dum, skilly um dum, silly idle day. Skilly idle idle dum dum, silly idle dum, skilly um dum, silly idle day. Skilly idle idle dum dum, silly idle dum, skilly um dum, silly idle day. Skilly idle idle dum dum, silly idle dum, silly um dum, silly idle day. At the foot of the hill, there's an ink little still where the smoke burns up in the sky. Be a sniff of the smell, you can plainly tell there's pushing boys goes by. Fills the air with a pair of Program is produced and hosted by theoutdoorsstation.co.uk.